Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to visit with the Commanding General of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, learn about this year's legislative priorities with the Commander's Task Force, and check in with the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. Traditional Guard members drill primarily one weekend a month. That means nearly all of our soldiers and airmen have other careers and other responsibilities outside of their military service. Two of the most prominent responsibilities are family and employment. The Minnesota National Guard recognizes this challenge of balancing responsibilities and provides resources to assist. Our family programs teams work tirelessly to support our military families. They offer military youth programs, transition assistance for members preparing to leave the military, and a connection to other valuable resources. Our employers support guard and reserve program known as ESGR ensures that employers understand exactly what it means to employ a guard member. The ESGR program also recognizes the standout companies in our community who provide exceptional support to our guard members, be it at home, at the office, or in uniform. We all do a better job and feel better about it if we've got the right support. Here in Minnesota, we've got the right support. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening, we're going to visit with the uh, commanding general of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, and that is Major General Charles Kemper, who assumed duties as the commanding general of the 34th Infantry Division, Minnesota Army National Guard, on March 25th, 2022. And General, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Tom, thanks so much for having me. Sir, uh, I think a lot of people maybe don't understand the relationship between the adjutant guard, commanding general of the Minnesota National Guard, and Yourself, now that you're the commanding general of the 34th Infantry Division, could you explain that quickly? Sure will. Uh, So Major General Sean Mankey is the adjutant general of the great state of Minnesota, and I work directly for him commanding the 34th Infantry Division. Our subordinate units here in Minnesota include an armored brigade, an aviation brigade, and a Devardi, a division artillery unit. Uh, We also have some responsibilities outside of Minnesota, but let there be no doubt, I work for General Mankey. Well, sir, we're going to we're going to get into the the division in just a minute, but uh, I understand that uh, you've been in the military for about about thirty years, and you started out as an enlisted. I sure did. I enlisted in the Illinois Guard in nineteen eighty seven, and while I loved my time there, I was probably the worst generator mechanic that the M- Army ever produced. I uh, had an opportunity to go to college uh, using my benefits and commissioned onto active duty in nineteen ninety five. Spent a little bit of time with the 1st Infantry Division and the 2nd Ranger Battalion, and then was blessed to come here to Minnesota in 1999. So about two more months, I'll hit my 37th year and still love doing it. Well, sir, I've just got to ask you this. When you were commissioned as a 2nd Lieutenant, did you ever dream you'd be a two-star general commanding a division? I was just hoping they'd keep me in long enough to make captain and command a company. So this has been beyond my wild expectations. I've just been blessed my whole life not only with the opportunities, but with the people who've supported me and coached me along the way. And, sir, uh, we've been doing this radio show for about 14 years now, and as I look back at the former division commanders, that's quite a who, who's who of generals that you're following, and, and the Red Bulls have a heck of a history. Uh, I'm very humbled to be part of that long lineage. I want to hold up that high tradition, and I've benefited directly from a number of them, from Major General Mike Wickman, uh, Ben Carell, General Jensen, who's still serving as the director of the Army National Guard, Neil Lloydell, just to name a few that personally mentored me. And many of them underwrote mistakes I made, uh, helped me along the way. So 
we're blessed with that lineage. Training, 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 sir. That's right. That's exactly right, Tom. General, can you explain to us, uh, a lot of folks think that they see the, the Red Bull insignia on a, on a soldier's arm. They think everybody in the Minnesota National Guard is a Red Bull, which is really not true. And there's more Red Bull soldiers out there than just here from Minnesota. You're you're exactly right. So break it into two parts. Within Minnesota, the Red Bulls are the 34th Infantry Division soldiers who wear the Red Bull on their left shoulder patch. We make up the majority of the Army National Guard that's part of the Minnesota National Guard along with our air partners, but we're not the only ones. The example that comes to mind is the 34th, three, the 347th uh, Regional Support Group. They wear a different patch. They have their own patch, and so they're part of the Minnesota National Guard as well and a big part of that. Within Minnesota, we have the division headquarters, the 34th Infantry Division headquarters, an aviation brigade, an armored brigade, and then that division artillery we talked about, and they all wear the Red Bulls. Outside of Minnesota, we are operationally aligned with a number of other states who have other units, and I won't go into the details of all of them, but they include a long-standing partner in Iowa, our 2nd Brigade combat team, but there's also an armored brigade in North Carolina, one in Idaho that are aligned with us, and then just recently we've been aligned with some enabling brigades, one in Illinois, one in Missouri, and then South Dakota. So we're excited about all those new partners. We're speaking with Major General Charles Kemper, who's the commanding general of the 34th Infantry Division on Minnesota Military Radio. Sir, uh, we're kind of unique here in Minnesota. I've learned such over the last 14 years. We've got one of the best training facilities in the country up at Camp Ripley. We absolutely do. It's not only great for most of us who traditionally will do their annual training in the summer or our drill weekends, you know, Saturday and Sunday, uh, uh, but also it's known uh, world, not just nationally, but worldwide for the winter training capability, whether it's the biathlon that they put on annually or a number of opportunities to do cross-country skiing. Navy divers go there and do training both in the summer and winter. It is a first-class facility, and we're blessed to have it here in Minnesota. And, sir, you've got a, a new headquarters out in Arden Hills, but having Camp Ripley uh, up north, that allows you to do your training close to home for, for your soldiers, and it, it's easier on their families. Then. It sure is, and they've got all the ranges that we need in order to do individual weapons qualifications all the way up to those new Abrams tank that uh, that we've just been issued and excited on. So we can train there and then just be a couple hours away uh, from home. So that is a wonderful thing. And, sir, I was up there earlier this year and toured that maintenance facility that takes care of all of that equipment. That's got to be one of the best in the country as well, and it's huge. And it's the lifeblood of an armored brigade. We're, we're lucky to have the first armored brigade combat team here, and it's facilities like that, that and more importantly, the people who are experts in the maintenance and logistics that keeps that things running. So you're right. We're blessed across the board with a tremendous logistics enterprise here in Minnesota, not just at Camp Ripley, but a big part of it is there. Well, and you see that like uh, when there's a deployment out to California to, to go through all that in the desert. We ship out all that equipment by train, and it comes back in by train, and it's all beat up and dirty and the guys up at Camp Ripley get it ready to go for the next mission as fast as possible. They sure do, and then that ends up being great training for them for our contingency operation in case we have to deploy overseas in an unplanned circumstance. They're trained on, the equipment's on not only ready to go, but they're trained as mechanics to do their job overseas. Sir, we've got about three minutes left in, in this segment, but uh, there's a lot of old soldiers in Minnesota that are pretty excited about getting division artillery called Devardi back in under your command. 
Part of the what we talked about before, that operationally aligned division, is bringing back some of those things that enable the division to be effective. One of them is the Divardi. It's a brigade-level division artillery headquarters that works directly for the division. And we've got a long tradition of sol- uh, field artillery soldiers here in Minnesota that were excited to see it come back. As the division commander, I'm very excited to see it come back because it's one of the most important assets I have to do our our wartime mission in sustained large-scale combat. So we're pretty excited to see it back, and we're blessed to have it already seated with some really good leaders who are standing it up. And, sir, the other thing I'd like to touch on is uh, active-duty Army has uh, just so many divisions, and then the Guard has so many divisions, I believe it's eight. But the active duty and, and the Guard and Reserve Forces are more partners now than they've ever been. That's a true statement. As as we've gone from two decades of counterinsurgency now focusing back on great power competition, those 10 active duty divisions that you talked about are being configured a certain way. And your, nat, your eight National Guard divisions, of which the 34th is one of them, are configuring the same way our active duty counterparts are. So here in Minnesota, we're blessed to have be designated as what's called an armored strike division, and that's going to ensure that we have modernized equipment that continues to be sent here so we've got the best equipment for our soldiers to train on and use in case of their wartime mission. Uh, Sir, one more uh, just observation. A few years ago when that partnership became a stronger partnership, uh, they changed the uh, composition of the Joint Chiefs to include the the, uh, uh, Guard Bureau Chief with a seat at the table because you need to have some input and output as what's going on, what are you planning for, and how does this all work. So there's really been a basic change. Uh, agreed, and we've benefit. We've already seen a benefit with the last several four-star chiefs of the National Guard Bureau, and what I'm told is this year's National Defense Authorization ensures that the vice chief of the National Guard Bureau is also a four-star, so more advocate for the component of the Army, the the uh, reserve component, the Army National Guard, and the Air National Guard. So we're excited about that. Sir, we have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about an upcoming deployment for the 34th Infantry Division uh, starting uh, this year. We're speaking with Major General Charles Kemper, Commanding General, 34th Infantry Division on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been visiting with the Commanding General of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, is Major General Charles Kemper, and the division is made up of more than uh, 550 soldiers. No, this is the deployment. The de- upcoming deployment says more than 550 soldiers of the Minnesota National Guard's 34th Infantry Division Red Bulls headquarters will begin a 10-month-long deployment to the Middle East in early February 2024. Uh, 2024. And, General, I wanted to ask you, throughout your career, I know you've been to Kosovo and you've been to Kuwait. You've been on several deployments. Yeah, this will be the the fifth one for uh, my family and myself. And as you stated, this is the division headquarters, about 550 soldiers. Vice, that much larger organization, about 27,000 if if we had the whole operationally aligned division going. So it's that 550 number. So you're going back to where the division has been before, and you and some of your senior officers and your senior NCOs have had experience in the Middle East, so you kind of know a little bit about what to expect. Which is really good because it allows the folks who have never deployed before have confidence that their non-commissioned officers and their officers have been there. They've got some experience. Last time we were there, very similar mission, Mike Wickman and I, who I took command from the of the division from, we were both assistant division commanders. 
But the theater has changed a lot, and especially in the last four months, it's changed significantly. So we're going to have a very intellectually humble approach and make sure that we're learning from the people that are there that are doing the mission now and take advantage of what they've learned. So what we're talking about is over in the neighborhood over there, we've got this conflict in Israel and the Hamas and, and other nations acting up a little bit. So it's a little more dangerous maybe than it was the last time you were there? Certainly uh, aspects are of them, and, and I'm not going to go into what's necessarily going on up, up in Syria and Iraq, but for the division headquarters, it is a routine deployment. This was planned where, well before any of that was going on, and we've had a National Guard division headquartered in the Middle East as part of Operation Spartan Shield now for nearly nearly a decade. So it's part of U.S. Central Command's operation, strengthening the defense relationships and building partner capacity. Specifically, the division headquarters will assume authority as Task Force Spartan, and it is kind of unique in that it's multi-component. We have Army Reservists, we've got Army National Guard, and we actually have active duty Army who all make up uh, the Task Force Spartan. And the headquarters then provides command and control for all these units um, in Kuwait, Jordan, and and across a few other countries within that area. General, when I think about this deployment to the Middle East, I think about our partnerships with Croatia and, and now Norway. And we have exchanges and we training train with the Home Guard over there and uh, in, in helping each of those com- countries be better prepared for whatever may come. But in this neighborhood, when you're going over to the Middle East and Kuwait, you're kind of doing the same thing with those partner nations and, and their version of the Home Guard. You're exactly right. And so the relationships we build through that state partner program with both Croatia and now Norway, which we're excited about, they help build those skills, frankly, that our citizen soldiers also have working in their communities, whether it's with a civilian employer or with a, a local government. So we're going to employ those same uh, experiences and techniques and acumen and expertise we've built on building partnerships with the the folks within the region. And, and that's a huge benefit that we bring that not all of our active duty component soldiers have, have that experience. So, sir, you're going to, you're going to saddle up shortly. And I understand you're going to go down to Texas for some, uh, some additional training, and then you're going to ship over to Kuwait and fall in on the, whatever unit was there before. And, uh, you know, the quarters, the food, the chow, everything is there, and, and you're familiar kind of with where we're going to be, but you have to upgrade uh, the uh, to the evolving situation in that neighborhood. That's exactly right. So we'll spend about, we'll mobilize here in Minnesota, uh, do a couple of what we call home station activities to make sure our soldiers and f- their families are ready, and then we'll go to Texas for about a month. And then the 40th Infantry Division out of California, we talked about those eight National Guard Division headquarters there, one of them. They're doing the mission now. They're doing a very good job. And they'll help. They'll set up a series of tasks so that as we come in, they very deliberately hand those off to us. And like you said, there's existing facilities there. So we'll, we'll fall in on what they're doing. And then what we'll hope to do is build on their success during our rotation there in 2024. So there's an overlap there where they can say, here's the current circumstances, here's what you need to know, get you and your people ready, and, and when they finally go home in pieces, you know, some of them now, some of them later, then you're ready. That You're exactly right. And we the term we use, the, the military term, would be called a relief in place, and it involves a series of tasks to make sure that that incoming unit has the benefit of the unit that's been there and done that, and, and they can deliberately learn those tasks while that overlap is occurring. We're speaking with Major General Charles Kemper, the Commanding General of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division on Minnesota Military Radio. And, sir, uh, 
getting ready. I know you've been training for this. You were alerted to the deployment some time ago. You had to choose the 550 or so soldiers that were going on this trip. Who did you need? And and but part of it is you got to get your soldiers ready, but you have to get the families ready. And and so with the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon programs and everything else we have here in Minnesota, there's a routine to go through for that as well. You're exactly right, and we've come a long way. We're blessed here in Minnesota to have a wonderful. Uh, section within the Joint Force Headquarters that prepares units deliberately and their families. So the soldier is deliberately prepared, make sure they're medically fit, that they've done all the training they need to do. But also we have a number of family preparation academies that the state puts on. And it's uh, from the time I first mobilized in 2003 to get ready to Kosovo to where we're at now, it's just amazing to see how well we've progressed and how well we do ensuring that all the families know what their benefits are, who they can reach out in case they have troubles while their service member is away. And those are great programs, and we're kind of completing that uh, part of our pre-mobilization training right now. And, sir, uh, in December we had Chaplain Wynn on for the annual Chaplain Show, and we kind of went through the, the idea that when the division goes, you're going to have a chaplain or two, and there's other chaplains in the neighborhood over there that can help out. But then there's a reserve, there's a chaplain back here that's assigned it to the families as well, uh, along with all the other resources available in Minnesota. That's pretty important to your troops, isn't it? You're exactly right. So in addition to the chaplains and all the the benefits that are still available to the service members, we, re- we, we leave a robust what we call rear detachment here so that even though their service member may be deployed and, frankly, the full-time staff person that they're normally interacting with may be deployed, there is a rear detachment soldier that they can contact if they need plugged into some of those benefits, make contact with the chaplain or any number of things that may occur. And that's part of that family preparation is to ensure that they've got those contact numbers and they've they've met those people. So you're exactly right. We're we're taking a group forward, but there's an awful lot of folks that we need to take care of left here in Minnesota. And we're very fortunate here in Minnesota to have many organizations that'll fill in those gaps and some of the some of the yellow ribbon people that just go over and have coffee with the with the spouse that's here or maybe help with the snow or help with the, the lawn or or if there's a financial emergency there's resources to help with that too we we're just blessed to have a number of volunteers some of them are in that formal program like you talked about tom the beyond the yellow ribbon program where a number of companies and organizations and communities are part of it so it's very organized but we've also got people who just care about their neighbor and they know that while their service member is away, that that they could benefit, whether it's a cup of coffee or shoveling the snow, that's a great way to support your community. And, sir, I know that uh, I I sit on the board of the Minnesota Military Family Foundation, and the retired generals are on that board. Our whole focus is to make sure that your soldiers can focus on the mission and get home safely, and we'll take care of the families if there's a financial emergency. And, And I think that's kind of a really important so that your troops can do the mission and get home safe? I I agree 100% because there's nothing that distracts a service member more than if something's wrong with their pay, if there's a problem with their family. And and I've often said this to my family before. I think they have a harder mission. Once we're deployed, we can focus on one thing, but the, the families we leave here in Minnesota still have to do all those things, take care of sick kids, getting them off to school, pay the bills. So 
Uh, you're exactly right. That's critically important to help and service members stay focused on the mission. Almost easier to get in that battle rhythm when you're over there than, than do what they're doing back here with the families. But it's great that we've got plenty of support here in Minnesota. I, I think the first year I was deployed, my wife replaced every single appliance within the house. Not because she wanted to, but, but they all broke down. So I couldn't agree more, Tom. Those things happen at the worst time. General, <laughs> General we've just got a little over a minute left uh, for all of our listeners across uh, the network of 66 stations, if they were thinking about joining the military and specifically wanted to be a member of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, you've been part of the military family for over 30 years. What would you say to them? Well, I would say that it's amazing experience. It can be scary to contemplate, but what I've personally benefited and what my family has benefited from is way more than we could have ever imagined. Whether it was an opportunity to serve for 36 plus years now or Getting those experiences I got through leadership, or many of them financial, helped me go to college, helped my kids go to college. And it's an inclusive and caring and positive command climate. It's it's part of a family you want to be part of. So as I think of get preparing to go over, I would also like to advertise that. We're, we're always taking applications. We need to continue to get new blood and new Minnesotans into the program, and, and I'd be excited to have them. And I'm just blessed to have the team that we have. They're an amazing group. They are our service members, their families, uh, their employers and communities are just amazing, and I want to thank them as well. Sir, it seems you don't have to join the Navy to see the world. You can go to Kosovo, you can go to Norway, you can go to Kuwait, Middle East. You can do anything with the, with your Red Bull soldiers. Hey, Tom, I think we need to have you do our advertising in the future. That sounded right, just right to me. I'll take it under consideration, General. <laughs> thanks for joining us today. Tom, thanks for having me. That was Major General Charles Kemper, the commanding general of the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Commander's Task Force and legislative priorities at the state legislature this year. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to learn about this year's legislative priorities with the Commander's Task Force. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Today, I'd like to talk about a call to action for all veterans. Those who came before us fought for and earned precious rights and benefits. Now we must increase our efforts to guarantee those benefits are not lost. This call to action has three parts. One, actively learn about your rights and benefits. Many of our veterans haven't learned what they've earned. The best place to start is with your county veteran service officer. Two, Use the benefits you've earned, whether it's taking advantage of health and dental benefits, expanding your education, or even tapping into the resources to prevent homelessness and veteran suicide. These benefits have been tailor-made for you and other veterans. Three, hand the torch to the next generation. To our newest veterans, the benefits you will receive are the result of your predecessor's hard work. The torch will be in your hands and it will be up to your generation to make sure our nation stays committed to caring for our veterans of all ages. This is essential as we sustain our nation's ability to have an armed forces ready to serve and protect our country. As George Washington said, the willingness with which our young people are likely to serve in any war, no matter how justified, shall be directly proportional to how they perceive veterans of earlier wars were treated and appreciated by their nation. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Trent Dilks has served as the Legislative Director for Disabled American Veterans of Minnesota for nearly 10 years. Uh, he also serves on the DAV National Legislative Committee, and he's a two 
uh, tour, Iraqi Freedom Veteran. Trent, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks for having me. Trent, uh, there's a great message from Commissioner Lindsay, and uh, he's he really hit home that uh, we serve on the backs of those that served before us, and, and uh, the way we treat our troops today is going to have a huge impact on how many people sign up for the service going forward. Yeah, you know, it's something that we say over and over is veterans affairs is a national defense issue. If you want people to continue to put themselves into harm's way, to continue to serve with confidence, they have to have confidence that when they come home, when they're done with service, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to take care of them. And that's what a lot of our work with the legislative work in, in Minnesota and in Washington has to do with is making sure you can serve with confidence that we got your back and we'll bring you all the way home. And of course, you're a veteran and, and you spent the last decade working on just these issues. And that's what we're going to talk to, about today. Can you explain to our listeners the Commander's Task Force? I work closely with the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and the commissioner, of course. But it's made up of, uh, is it eight federally chartered veteran service organizations? Yeah, eight congressionally chartered service organizations. So it's kind of the the larger eight in Minnesota. Uh, You've got the American Legion, Veterans of Foreign Wars, DAV, Jewish War Veterans. All of them are are represented by their commanders, uh, by if they have full-time staff, and then either their legislative chairs or in the case of the DAV, I'm there as the, the legislative director. And the the commanders or the presidents, whatever their names might be, whether they're from Purple Heart or Marine Corps League or PVA, get together uh, once a month and and they talk about uh, issues that their memberships collectively are are interested in. And it all seems to me, after watching for your last decade, it all points to Veterans Day on the Hill, which is coming up April 17th. Yeah. So they, you know, that's really what it's about is uh, a lot of our time is spent identifying problems. What's going on? What is negatively impacting our veterans? And then we work to find legislative solutions. And then once you find what you believe will be the solution, you got to find the ways to get it passed with things like Veterans Day on the Hill. And it all comes down to the state legislature coming into action and and allocating uh, whatever revenues they collect from us taxpayers to to take care of things. And veterans is a small portion of it. We've been lucky the last couple of years. Uh, they've separated out the veterans' issues into a veterans' omnibus bill, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. We're hoping that continues. Yeah, it, it has really set a different tone when you can take veterans' issues, separate them from some of that partisan bickering and things like that that we've seen, and, and move those forward. So, Trent, one of the things that uh, I know we've talked about in the past, and you've been working on this, is uh, modernizing the homestead market value exclusion for disabled veterans. Yeah, I have been working on this my whole decade uh, with the Minnesota legislator, with the DAV. Um, It has been 14 years since they've addressed the value of the property tax value exclusion. Um, What has happened to home values? What has happened to the property tax rates and property taxes? I just had a Vietnam veteran call me. And he's very concerned, not for himself, he's concerned about himself, but he's also concerned about his surviving spouse. When he passes away, she'll get 40% of the benefits that he was getting. He bought his home here in the metro area as soon as he got back from Vietnam in 1971. What has happened? She'll get 40% of the benefits, but she'll get 100% of the expense. Yes, exactly. And and so he bought it as soon as he got home. And what has happened to that house in value? 
He was a 100% service-connected disabled veteran when he came home from Vietnam. He was wounded in Vietnam. He has been 100% ever since. That value has just, he's, he's remained there. It's a modest home, but the value has gone up and up, and now he's finding himself buried in a, in a property tax bill because this hasn't been addressed in 14 years. Lucky he's still with us after 100% disability, but uh, doing the right thing, trying to see if he can take care of his bride after he's gone. Yeah, very much so. And then, you know, especially for the veterans who... Uh, Often we see they're they're putting their their spouses first. Um, we've got to be there to make sure we're taking care of the veterans themselves in this way. We're speaking to Trent Dilks, who is the legislative director of the Disabled American Veterans on Minnesota Military Radio. Trent, another thing that seems like I've heard for, about before is uh, the fees that veterans pay on their hunting, trapping, fishing, those kind of things. This is Minnesota. People like to get outside. Yeah, and, you know, and with the property tax one, we're talking a little bit more about the, the livability and, and affordability. When we switch to hunting and fishing, we're looking at ways that we can show our appreciation uh, for, our, for our disabled veterans, for their service, for their sacrifice. And we look at other states that have an outdoor reputation, they do a little bit more to recognize that service. They, they provide a hunting and fishing license as a way to say thank you. And so it's something we've been working on with the DNR, with the governor's office, to say, hey, can Minnesota so to do that, do we have an interest in saying thank you in that way and making sure they can get outdoors? Well, we hope this is the year you can make a deal and that we can afford it here in Minnesota. We'll see what happens with that. Trent, there's, a, there's another uh, thing that's been in the news lately, and that is there's new license plates out there. You can buy license plates to support, I think, Dairy Queen if you wanted to. <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a lot of veteran-related license plates that the the proceeds of the sales of those license plates just go into the state general fund? Yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised. This is not an area I knew a lot about. Um, but, yeah, if you go get your – I have my Operation Iraqi Freedom plates on my truck and on my motorcycle, and there's the special plate fee. And you pay that, and it goes back into the general fund. So what we'd like to see it do is let's put it in the Support Our Troops Fund. Uh, let's designate that for Veterans Affairs and Military Affairs, and, and let's earmark that money that, uh, you know, people who are um, showing their service, that are proud of their service, let's let their special plate fees be reserved specifically for those uses. And I understand there's uh, about seven new license plates coming, Jewish War Veterans, uh, retirees of any of the six branches, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. Uh, if that isn't fixed... That would just go into the general fund again. I'd personally like to see that go into the SOT fund so that it's used for the benefit of our, our veterans and our service members and their families. Yeah, and you look at the SOT fund and, and some of the things it does. Uh, one of the things, like through the Department of Veterans Affairs, is a competitive grant. They're addressing things like veteran suicide, homelessness, uh, recreational programs, uh, uh, care for, for our veterans and, and relief for their caregivers when they need a little time away. And so, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's let the fifteen dollars I pay to have my Iraq veterans plates go into that fund. That's where I'd like that money to be spent. It it seems like it should be done. Uh, so we'll see if we can get it done. And there's going to be a place for all of our veterans that gather together on April seventeenth, Veterans Day on the Hill, and go up there and talk to your elected officials and say on items like this, like these specialized plates. Let's make sure that goes into the SOT fund. Uh, Trent, when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. We've been visiting with uh, Trent Dilks from DAV in Minnesota on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been speaking with Trent Dilks, who's the Legislative Director for the Disabled American Veterans of Minnesota. And Trent, we want to talk now about Special Day coming up every year. It gives all of our veterans an opportunity to go up to the Capitol here in Minnesota and talk to their state elected officials. We call it Veterans Day on the Hill. And, and one of our highest priorities is to make sure that what we established in the last two years with Veterans Omnibus Bills becomes a tradition and continues going forward so it's veterans' issues are free from the politics of other issues. You know, I asked the, I asked the governor about this on the Year in Review show, and he said, absolutely, my intention is to try to send the signal that that Veterans Omnibus Bill be separate and be handled that way. Uh, what do you think our chances are this year? Yeah, if they, if they do a supplemental, we're moving into a bonding year. But if they do a supplemental, we will be there to push that anything that addresses veterans should be in a standalone veterans omnibus bill. I think we've made it very clear over the last couple of years that that is the only way we'd like to see the business done of veterans. Let's keep it out of the other fights. Let's keep it out of the divisiveness. Uh, you know, we've been nearly unanimous uh, in those bills in, in a time where they can't agree on uh, what's for lunch. Uh, they've been able to agree almost unanimously on our veterans' omnibus bill. So let's keep that moving in that tone for our veterans. They deserve it. And this includes some of the things we talked about in the prior segment, but it also includes budgets for Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, Minnesota Department of Military Affairs. This is this is a this is a big issue every year. Yeah, it is. It's a big issue, you know, especially in the first year of the biennium. But um, supplemental budgets are often a thing. I think we can expect some supplemental budgets in the second year of the biennium, and uh, we're just. We continue to say this is the way to do business for Minnesota's veterans. We appreciate the governor supporting it. Uh, we appreciate the lawmakers that have supported it. I will say, though, it took a fight. It took a fight. It took things like Veterans Day on the Hill, the Minfluence Network, to, to get it done. And it's going to take constant vigilance to keep doing that and keep making sure that they do it. So we've got about three things our listeners can do, our veterans. They can either get on the horn and talk to their elected officials about some of these things. Number two, they can go to Minfluence, M-I-N-N, Fluence, F-L-U-E-N-C-E, which we used last year at the end to push this thing over the top. Or they can take the day and come up to Veterans Day on the Hill, which is going to be April 17th, 2024. If our veterans outstate want to come in uh, one by one, they can drive. If they want to come in in a group, how do they How do they get there? How do they find out about what's going on? We are going to have buses coming from all across the state. Uh, you know, I was just talking to Hibbing. Hibbing sending a bus. We'll have people that are getting up at 4 in the morning to come to Veterans Day on the Hill. They can uh, find the latest information at DAVMN.org under our advocacy. And if they're interested in organizing a bus, American Legion, VFW, just a group of people who would like to come down and don't have an organization, the DAV of Minnesota will pay for half of the cost of that bus. All right, uh, get your veterans together and call DAVMN.org and, and cl- take them up on that offer. Absolutely. We want all the buses down there. We, we, we need to keep showing up. You know, we've had some victories, and sometimes you worry that people will kind of rest on that, and, and I guarantee you uh, we can't. We need a big show of force from all our veterans. Tell us about the day. It's April 17th, 2024. What time? What's What happens? Yeah, and, and so I, we're opening the doors at 10 a.m. Uh, we're running a, a 
minibus this year from the armory to uh, the House and Senate offices, and it will run all morning long. So you can hop on, go visit your lawmakers. They can hop on, come visit you. Um, then we're going to have some speakers. The American Legion National Commander is going to speak. Uh, I'll give a couple of uh, semi-coherent remarks uh, at the end to try to get people fired up. You were fired up last year. I we, remember that. We were. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great opportunity to connect. We're going we're gonna to learn a little bit together. We're going to learn about these issues, and then we're going to advocate. So this is going to be at the Armory, uh, 20 West 12th Street, St. Paul, uh, 10 o'clock, your door's open. You've got some coffee there. Lunch at 1130. Uh, you're going to have a veterans march up to the rally at 1 o'clock. I know Mick Aguirre led that last year, and I said, Mick, you should have marched a little better. He <laughs> said, well, we strolled up there, but we made it. You know, you want to see a, you want to see something. Watch uh, watch five six hundred veterans uh, march up the front steps of that Capitol building, and then if you want to hear something, hear five hundred veterans make the Capitol rotunda shake with the Pledge of Allegiance. Get there. The date's going to be April seventeenth, twenty twenty four, and davmn.org for any questions. And Trent will get back to you on that. Uh, Trent, thanks for joining us again today. Thank you for having me. That was Trent Delk, the legislative director of the DAV of Minnesota on Minnesota Military Radio. Joining me now is Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Director, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Yeah, hi, Tom. Good to be back with you. Sir, I can't help myself. I have to ask you about uh, COVID. Uh, are there some enhanced safety practices going on? Is it in the past? Is it in the rearview mirror? What's going well, on? <laughs> I wish. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, I almost hate talking about it again. And really, for veterans, the only thing that will, will be noticeable is that uh, our, our staff are now masking again throughout the facility. We, we, we've not done any changes either in veterans, uh, uh, requiring veterans to mask or in visitor policy or anything like that. But, you know, it's it's picked up, COVID and RSV and flu sort of all together. So, but so so again, no changes for veterans, but 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 staff have implemented. We've implemented some new processes for staff, just just to be safe. Our main job is to keep veterans safe, so that, that's why we're doing that. Yes, sir. And I understand that the National Salute to Patients Week is February 11th to the 17th. Is that a big week at the Minneapolis Medical Center? You know, it, it has historically been a big week for us, and then uh, up until 2019, and then we had so many restraints and constrictions related to COVID and people in the hospital. So, so we are firing that up again this year. So, one of the things that we do on on, on Valentine's Day is we will bring in uh, some of the senior service organization leaders. You know, some of the members of the task commanders task force. And, and uh, we'll do a little speech making uh, in our flag atrium, and then they will go uh, and meet with uh, veterans uh, throughout the hospital, um, take some Valentine's Day items with them provided by our uh, voluntary services department, and sometimes, you know, cards provided by, you know, kids from schools and our daycare over here. So, uh, so anyway, we, we're doing an in-person thing again this year. That's February 14th. Uh, nice thing to do for the veterans who are in the hospital who can't get out and can't get that nice uh, uh, Veterans Day or, excuse me, uh, Valentine's Day uh, dinner that well, they might have if they weren't in the hospital. Director, I think the last time uh, I spoke with you on the radio was our year in review, and we were talking about uh, professional education for those folks that uh, work at the VA, and, and we talked a little bit about partnerships and, and uh, training. Uh, and you've got some great partnerships out there that have been longstanding. You know, it's not. It's one of those things that uh, is is part of our mission in the VA. Is as we're a teaching hospital, and so, just a couple numbers briefly, Tom, that maybe your listeners would be interested in. 
you know, every year we train 1,500 students in our VA, doctors, nurses, uh, medical students, uh, physician residents, uh, therapists, pharmacists, uh, and, and we have agreements with 150 teaching uh, institutions. And, and, you know, the main one is the University of Minnesota, which we've been uh, had an affiliate relationship with since 1946. Uh, and, in fact, interesting fact, interesting to me when I first learned it, 70% of our nation's physicians do training at, at a VA hospital. Um, uh, VA is big into the teaching and training business, and we work really closely with health partners and Hennepin Healthcare and the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and, and the University of Minnesota in that training mission. And it, it, it helps us to uh, orient people to VA. Some of them come to work for us. Others are more familiar with veterans care. So when they go to work, wherever they work, they are now more familiar with veterans health issues, how to get veterans into the VA and that kind of a thing. So it's, it's really an important part of our mission and something we really value here. And, Director, I think it's important to note that uh, most of the veterans that I've seen out at the, your facility are more than willing to help with that training process uh, by taking a little bit more time and, and, and helping you get these uh, young professionals trained. You know, and it's really, uh, it's really important. And we always tell our veterans when they're either being seen or being one of our staff or being supported by a trainee. Uh, but, yeah, that's how doctors and others uh, learn how to do this independently so they can then go out and be good doctors and good nurses and good pharmacists, you know, when they graduate from their programs. And so, uh, so yeah, we're proud of that. It's a good program here. It's a good program at really at all VAs, but we're, a, we're one of the bigger teaching hospitals, and, and, and we really value that part of our mission. Well, Director, we're about out of time. I'd like to thank you for joining us again today. Pleasure, Tom. It's always nice being on your show. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That was Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Major General Charles Kemper from the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, Commanding General, Trent Dilks from DAV in Minnesota, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Commissioner Brad Lindsay of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we get an update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and meet with the commander of the Minnesota National Guard's 148 Fighter Week in Duluth. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota Military. MilitaryRadio.com.